Hey, don't forget this Wednesday, the 17th, 5.30 at Talking Curse of Brewing Company. We are having our very first networking event. This is going to be an amazing event. We're co-hosting this with Michael Scrow of Michael Scrow Leadership Coaching, and we're giving away tons of free stuff. The first 20 people in the door get a free beer. Everybody that shows up gets a free Eat Local CMY card and bring your business card for a chance to win a free coaching session courtesy of Michael Scrow Leadership Coaching. You do not want to miss this great opportunity to network with other professionals in the Syracuse area, whether you're new in town, whether you've been here forever, whether you're thinking of moving to a different career, to a different job, or whether you just want to strengthen relationships in the business that you have now, you do not want to miss this amazing event. Again, Wednesday, 5.30 p.m. at Talking Curse of Brewing Company. You can find out more information by finding our event page on Facebook and searching Eat Local CNY. But you can also just join us Wednesday, 5.30 p.m., Talking Curse of Brewing Company, an amazing networking opportunity. Welcome to the Eat Local Central New York podcast. In this episode, I'm sitting down with a friend of mine, John McDaniel. Now, I need to give you some context here for this episode because if you don't follow us on social media, if you don't follow Eat Local CNY on social media, on Instagram especially, then you don't know that I've completed a seven-day vegan challenge. For seven days, I did nothing but lived the dietary lifestyle of someone who would consider themselves to be a vegan. Uh, I did this mainly because I started our YouTube channel, which you can find it by going to YouTube and then just searching Eat Local CNY. And as I was trying to think of content that I could put out there that would be consistent, I had the idea to do something like this, to do a seven-day vegan challenge, to vlog every single day about it, and to put that stuff, to put the content out there on YouTube. And I also thought that it would just be kind of an interesting experience. I thought it would be interesting for me to put myself in someone else's shoes and see kind of how they eat, what kind of decisions and things they have to order when they go out to eat at a restaurant or in town, things like that. I just thought it would be interesting and fun, and so far it has been. As a matter of fact, the day that I'm recording this intro, it's my seventh day. It's the last day of my vegan challenge. It's been very easy. It has not been challenging to go out to eat. I've been out to eat probably uh, seven or eight times this week, and uh, maybe not that many, maybe six, maybe five or six times this week, and it has not been a challenge. There's been restaurants where there's one thing on the menu that you can order. There's been restaurants where you have to make substitutions to make it vegan-friendly, what you're going to eat, but it has not been challenging, and so this is a conversation with my friend John McDaniel that uh, John's been a vegan, you'll hear, for 12 years. And so I wanted to sit down and just chat with somebody who's been living that lifestyle for a considerable amount of time and see why they started to become vegan, you know, uh, their decision behind it, their mentality in being a vegan today, all those different things. And so I really hope you enjoy the conversation, even if you have zero uh, ideas of ever becoming vegan if you think it's ridiculous to be whatever it is, I think you'll enjoy the conversation no matter what. So without further ado, here's my conversation with my friend, John McDaniel. (laughs) 
So it's the first podcast that I've recorded here on my porch. Yes. Patio. It's not really a porch. It's a Exciting patio. Exciting stuff. We're in my backyard on the north side of Syracuse. And so if you hear lawnmowers or loud music or people yelling is probably more commonly what you'll hear from the people on the street or cars driving by as you just did. There's so going to be a lot of cars, I think. There's going to be a lot of car driving. Yeah. So I am sitting here. I thought something just jumped on me. <laughs> it's just a stick. I'm sitting here with my... What if a snake slithered by, like under your foot, if a and snake... you, you screamed like a little girl? Well, the normal person and me, I shouldn't say phrase it like that, the old Anthony would probably freak out and mm-hmm. maybe stomp on that snake. The new cultured vegan Anthony would mm. ask that snake... Good point. ...how it's feeling today, and if there is anything I could do to make its life more enjoyable. Really, all you would have to do is not stomp on it okay. to to show sufficient respect for That's the it. snake. Okay. All right. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I have with me John McDaniel. Not McDaniels. No, thank you. McDaniel. Common mistake. Yes. John, how would you describe yourself? I am a 30-year-old young man living here in Syracuse. Uh, I am an aspiring sitcom writer. Mm-hmm. I work odd jobs in the evenings to pay the bills while I pursue my uh, my writing career. Yeah, and also a and I am a vegan, a vegan, which is the most germane aspect of my character <laughs> for this podcast. Also, we might hear helicopters overhead, so that's what, that's not a machine gun. I, that's a snake, that's actually. A I think. Snake. <laughs> Hi no, f- it's a helicopter. Oh, it is a snake. Hi, friend. I'm good. Here, I'm here to help you. Well done. Yeah, thank you. I'm now a vegan, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, I mean, not to get into the nitty-gritty <laughs> here, but it's not about helping the snake. It's just about not hurting the snake. Yes, I get. I understand that, I think. So, uh, with that, how long have you been vegan? I've been a vegan since the summer of 2007, okay. which would be... 12 uh, twelve years, years. Wow. coming coming up uh, any day mm-hmm. now probably is the twelve year anniversary. Mm-hmm. Although I don't know what date it was. Do you have a chip? Do you get a chip for twelve years? Or no, oh. um, I could look into starting something like that. Yeah, but vegans. Yeah, the twelve year chip that would uh, that would be a a pretty big shiny chip. I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so twelve year. What made you decide to become? Vegan. Is it a vegan or vegan? Both. Okay. Either way, I think I say both. Okay. I think usually I say I'm vegan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the it was a multi-step process. The thing that the immediate cause for it was uh, reading the book Animal Liberation by Peter Singer, which is the founding text of the the modern um, animal rights movement. Mm. Uh, Peter Singer is a, a philosopher at Princeton University. Uh, he's a utilitarian, and uh, he wrote this book that kind of changed the landscape for how we think about animals. Um, the reason I read that book, though, is really all goes back to my pet dog, my family dog, who was named Casey. Um, having Casey and spending hundreds of hours with her, 
uh, I became, I realized eventually that Casey wasn't just a, a fun kind of piece of furniture or a fun toy in my family, uh, my family unit. She was a real living thing with, uh, real emotions and real mental experiences. Um, and having that realization about Casey started to make me think differently, uh, about other animals. Um, although not about being a vegetarian or a vegan, but it was with that in mind, I, I saw a, a stray reference to animal liberation um, in my senior year of high school, and I, I wouldn't have thought anything of it, but I was in this new sort of a mental state, and I, I picked it up, and uh, it completely blew my mind. It taught me about factory farming for the first time, which mm-hmm. is something I hadn't known anything about. Um, and if you really believe in the true uh, reality of animals' lives, um, and that the pain they feel is like the pain we feel, uh, once you find out how they're treated um, and what what we do to them to get our food on our plates, uh, it's it's not something you can condone anymore. Yeah, I've you know I've watched with that in mind. I've watched the documentaries. I've seen the you know night vision secret cameras placed, and I yeah I, I think of that one. I forget the name of the documentary, but I've watched it a couple years ago, and there's that one scene where it's like they have the night vision camera set up in this chicken factory, you know, warehouse, and at like midnight, you just see like twelve twelve different workers come in and like grab all the chickens and throw them in, and then you know all that kind of stuff. You know, so I've seen watched those documentaries, and I've never once thought after watching those things. Uh, I should change the way I'm eating. Mm. I've thought more so about like purchasing uh, food from ethical farmers, mm-hmm. you know, from like local farmers that I know are raising their animals properly and uh, humanely and things like that. But I've never thought about, wow, I should just stop eating meat. I don't know what that, I don't know why. Maybe I need to read that book. Yeah. Um, not that many people do, obviously, or there'd be more vegans. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, if if you were sincerely curious, yeah. uh, animal liberation it, it's a, it's different than those documentaries okay. because the documentaries show you the inhumanity of what happens on factory farms. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the book is written by a, a, a an eminent, rigorous thinking philosopher, okay. and he brings uh, like heavy duty arguments to the table and, and walks you through step by step by step. Yeah. Uh, again, as I said, he's a utilitarian philosopher. Um, so that's the school he comes from. Mm. Um, but the utilitarians in the 19th century were actually the first serious thinkers in modern times, mm. uh, who suggested that we did have a problem as humans with how we treated animals. Mm. Um, they also were among the first thinkers that suggested we had a problem with how women were treated in our society and how non-white people were treated in our society. Uh, And they were laughed at for all of those beliefs. Hmm. Um, And it took maybe 150 years, but society finally caught up to their wisdom as it regarded women and and non-European people. Uh, And the next step is for us to all catch up on on that third thing they thought about animals. Hmm. So I'd recommend that book to anyone. So are they the first vegans? Recording. They they're not. Um, there were ancient thinkers who were vegans. Um, the Pythagoreans mm. were vegans. Um, I, I believe a philosopher named Seneca, the younger, was a vegan. Mm. Um, but that whole 
line of thinking kind of fell off the table uh, in Europe until the 19th century. And then the founder of utilitarianism, Jeremy Bentham, uh, was the first guy who started asking these questions again. Gotcha. So you've read the book, and was it kind of like an easy transition for you to just immediately stop uh, consuming meat and things and dairy and things like that? Or So I did not take that approach at all. Okay. I think this is interesting. Uh, it seems like most vegan writers would recommend to people who want to be vegan to, to just go completely cold turkey mm. uh, and just drop everything at once. Um, that is the opposite of what I did. I went very slowly. Mm. Um, the first thing I did was I, I resolved that I wanted to give up red meat. Um, and it's it's funny to think this now, but uh, in high school, I ate Taco Bell all the time. Mm. Uh, and the one thing holding me back on red meat was, oh my God, I can't have Taco Bell anymore. Um, so I, I, I had this resolution in mind. A few months went by. One day I got a taco from there. I bit into it and there was something wrong with the meat that day, mm. uh, something disgusting. Uh, and that moment of revulsion is what I needed to be like, okay, all right, <laughs> I don't need Taco Bell anymore. I don't need more, any more red meat. So I gave up red meat for a few months and then I gave up all other meat except chicken for a few months. Mm. Um, and then the summer before I went to college, I became a vegetarian mm. and I stayed that way throughout my freshman year of college. Um, Halfway through that year, I gave up eating any desserts that weren't vegan, mm. which is pretty much all desserts. Um, and then going into that summer, uh, I, having given up desserts already, sometime maybe in July, I, I gave up all animal products. Wow. So for me, it took 12 months from yeah. beginning to end. Hmm. And, you know, I, I've known a lot of people who have been vegan for three weeks. And for me, it's been 12 years. So hmm. I, there's no need to rush into it. Yeah. The that that moment you had at Taco Bell, it's it's kind of I quit smoking cigarettes about uh, well a little over a year ago, uh, maybe a year and a half now, and it was just one night I smoked maybe a little less than a pack a day uh, for probably five or six years, and just one night at work I went outside to have my typical every hour cigarette and smoked it went turned to walk back into the job and took just two steps up and started hacking and coughing up coughing like you know just coughing a lot and so uh i went in and i was like this is disgusting i don't want to do this anymore <laughs> and threw the cigarettes in the trash and haven't smoked cigarettes since then oh that's pretty good yeah. i did get pneumonia a week later was in the hospital for a day so that wasn't fun is that because you stopped smoking, or I, was that about to happen anyway? I think it's honestly, I think it's a kind of a, I don't know, I won't say a common thing, but I've heard other stories of people who have quit cold turkey who do get sick like that. Maybe okay. not to the extent of being hospitalized and getting pneumonia, but have some sort of like a respiratory thing, hmm. you know. And it worked out. Rebecca, um, you know, when we first started dating, she did not like that I smoked. And so that was kind of one of the things. And it was... I believe I quit in November and we started dating in October. So it was really only like three weeks, uh, you know, of kind of that where it was just like enough for me to mm -hmm. say no more. I smoked a pipe for a little bit for, you know, a few months and then. I remember your pipe smoking yeah. face. And then eventually, and you know, I was smoking it at work, the pipe so mm -hmm. often. So I would just smoke it at night and I was at a friend's house drinking, smoked my pipe. And then I started smoking it at work and it was like, 
once at work in the morning with like Matt or somebody or Jess. And then it would be like four times a day at work. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I just, then I threw that out and that was it. You know, so yeah, I get that. I don't know. I, you know, you know this, I did the keto diet thing in the beginning of the year. I don't know if you did know that. Oh yeah, I knew that. You knew that. Mm-hmm. And I think I was pretty strong with that for maybe a month or so. And then I stopped. Um, and part of it was just because like the, inst- you know, the Instagram account, it's kind of hard to go towards one way of eating and then that's all you post about, you know? So mm. then people go from following me because it's a local restaurant promoter who promotes anything to <laughs> like, it makes you sound very desperate and pathetic. You'll, am, you'll promote anything. I am. <laughs> Listen, if it's for a dollar, Oh yeah. I will promote you. Mm. Um, and, uh, I'll even paint my face for $5 with the restaurant's logo. Listen, will you, will you, smoke a pipe that's branded with the name of of a restaurant that's paying you that's a tough call because i don't want to smoke anymore i'd have to think about that one might have to be six dollars oh oh, i was gonna (laughs) say ten dollars oh oh okay (laughs) uh no but so i you know then then at that point it's like going from promoting restaurants to then like now i'm a keto friendly page and that's it follow me if you're into keto you know so it was tough um it's ultimately the excuse I give when really I just didn't want to be disciplined with anything. Um, so I, I don't know if I could go in one straight thing. I don't know if I would ever become a full-fledged uh, vegan. Mm-hmm. I, just, I don't know. I agree with the moral. I agree with the ethics of treating animals well. So I'm curious about that. Yeah. I, I was wondering in my head how you felt about it because a lot of people say what you just said that yeah. they're not vegans but they 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 feel horror at how animals are treated in factory farms but a decent number of other people are fully aware of, of what goes on and and they and they tell me they really just don't care mm-hmm. um so that's interesting to know i think you know for me i read i listened to dan barber who's this famous barber <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Um, yeah. Uh, Dan Barber is a, <laughs> he was actually just picture him being a, an my old barber. barber. Actually, <laughs> I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, he doesn't have much hair. Um, Dan Barber, Daniel, I'll just call him Dan. Okay. Chef Dan. Dan the man. He is a barber. Very accomplished <laughs> chef. He's a vegan <laughs> barber. He's a very accomplished <laughs> chef in New York City. And, um, Blue Hill Farms, is that the name of it? I believe it is, Blue Hill Farms. So they have a, a restaurant in, it's not Soho. Uh, I forget where, it's over by NYU. And in Washington Square Park, I think. Anyways, whatever. So they have a restaurant there, and then they have a complete farm and restaurant up in the Hudson Valley. And I don't know if they're starred, if they have a Michelin star or anything like that, but well-respected, reviewed, all that. He wrote this book called The Third Plate, and it's a very uh, thorough book about uh, agriculture and farming and the whole nine. And, you know, one of the stories that stands out to me, there's a bunch of them, but one of the main things when it comes to treatment of animals is he talks about, um, like, uh, oh, geez, what's the name of it? Um, Foie gras. 
Mm. Yeah, that's one of the, you know. Yeah. And but he talks about it in the sense of, you know, the typical treatment of geese for their liver is to uh, right before they're going to, you know, kill this animal and harvest its meat is that they force feed these geese. I forget what the diet is, but they force feed them. They, by literally grabbing them, forcing a tube down their throats and feeding them this diet that plumps up their livers and, you know, makes it attractive to eat. Mm-hmm. Super fatty liver. And, um, and I believe it originated in France, this, I don't know if that treatment did or just this dish or whatever it is, but, you know, it was illegal in the United States for a time, I believe. And so he's talking, he just has this example, I forget where he was in the country, but how, uh, I think it was in Argentina, maybe Spain, maybe Spain, anyways, somewhere in Latin America where they just let the animals roam freely. They There's no fence, there's no tags, there's nothing. Uh, they don't have an you know, electric barrier of any sort. They just have open, open, open farmland for mm-hmm. their animals to literally do whatever they want. Not just like free range. They get to go walk around this hill that we have electrified the fence around. You know, mm-hmm. they just, if the geese fly off, they fly off. If they fly in, they f- whatever happens. But because of that, and because they're just able to roam around and eat naturally what they do and instinctively go and uh, there's this certain time of the year where they go and like gorge on this one I forget what it is I think acorns or like the the remnants of acorns from what the pigs eat like the husk something like that anyways that that actually gives them this amazingly fatty liver that's delicious and better than any of the force fed geese that there ever were and they're being they're treated just normally Hmm. Um, I think of things like that and I can, I get behind that. I can, you know, like support those things. I'm like, yeah, let's encourage more farmers to treat their animals that way. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, that would be a whole different world if that was how animals were treated. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, that's certainly not a, a world I would, uh, I would, I would rather a world where no animals were raised for, for human ends at all. But I mean, that would mitigate 95% of of the horror that goes on now. I imagine, economically speaking, we could only have a farm culture like that if people ate a lot less animal products than they do. Yeah. Because we, as a country, are so ravenously addicted to to animal products that, Mm -hmm. you know, you you couldn't feed the demand in that humane way. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, but I mean, if like legal policy changed and yeah. it was mandated that animals be raised that way. That would be literally one of the greatest triumphs of, of humanity yeah. ever. I mean, it'd be one of the most wonderful steps forward morally that we could possibly take. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've meant to ask Joel this uh, morning about his take on, I can understand, I can understand like the uh, views of not, slaughtering an animal for harvesting their meat but what what about when it comes to dairy you know when it comes to like chickens with laying their eggs and things like that i mean these are things granted milking a cow isn't necessarily natural but 
chickens are naturally going to lay eggs. So what is, what's the view of, or what's the reason why not to consume eggs? Well, a couple of things. Uh, first, for me personally, uh, with the, the meat side of it, the slaughtering of animals really has nothing to do with my objection. Okay. Um, or, I mean, the way yeah. they're slaughtered is. But it, it's it's not that, oh, we're killing animals. It's, oh, we're inflicting such misery and such pain and such deprivation on them while they're still alive. Yeah. That's the problem. Um, and that applies just as much to dairy cows and egg-laying hens as it does to animals we slaughter for their meat. Yeah. Um, and I read somewhere once, and I thought, I mean, it, it. I just thought it was a plain f- true fact. Uh, if you died and you were going to be reincarnated and you could choose one species of animal on Earth to not be reborn as, you would choose not to be reborn as, a, as an egg-laying hen. Hmm. Uh, egg-laying hens suffer uh, more than any other animal, domesticated or wild or human, hmm. on, on the Earth. Um, and obviously, we don't raise them for their meat, um, but they we, we keep them in tiny cages where the the amount of space each chicken has is 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 as though they were living their lives in a shoebox um we cut off their beaks without anesthetic when they're young so that they don't peck each other to death in 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 the middle of their their stress um they have to subsist all day in their own waste and their lungs get burned by the ammonia of of their of their shit uh because the cages aren't cleaned out um, they grow four times the the size that they're supposed to by by nature uh, because of the way they've been bred and because of the hormones they're given, which uh, takes a terrible toll on their legs and their joints. Um, and I, I apologize. I didn't even come here planning to start <laughs> listing facts like this. but No, I think uh, it's great because it does. I mean, I, I like I said earlier, I do want... I don't want this to be like a this side, that side. I'm not a reporter or anything like that. It's just I'm kind of trying to throw myself full-fledged into a vegan seven-day challenge. Mm-hmm. I still have things like my, I've mentioned it on the vlog. I have my leather wallet, you know. I've had it for a decade. It was a gift. You know, so I'm not going that intense into it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's how you live your life if it's like if it's leather i'm not touching it but well i will say i i uh had leather shoes dress shoes and a leather belt from before i was a vegan Mm -hmm. um and i don't buy new clothes and things like that that often until i'm forced to i kept wearing the leather shoes i'd already owned for i think like six years after i became a vegan Mm -hmm. because the purchase had already been made um but when it came time to buy new shoes i I didn't buy leather shoes again but so, I was in no hurry to throw away things I already owned. Right. So I'm not going that intense with it during these seven days. It's you know more from a dietary thing. And then really it's trying to put myself into the shoes of somebody who lives this way and sure. eats this way sure. to kind of try and better understand it. Yeah. So, yeah, I uh, went into more detail than I intended there. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, that's – they're really um, – and no shots at vegetarians, but this is why I don't really understand <laughs> the idea of being a vegetarian for animal welfare reasons. Because mm-hmm. uh, in truth, the non-meat products we get come attached t- to just as much misery as, as the meat products that we eat. Yeah. I, you know, I, 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 I don't want to, I hate to do the semantics, but I'm just curious. I want to know. Uh, there's a restaurant I know in Elbridge who they, the owner is a farmer. Uh, actually, you know, plenty of the managers there are farmers, grew up as farmers. 
and this restaurant they have a farm that's a mile away where they raise 300 chickens uh, just for the sole purpose of their eggs. So if you go out to eat there and you have their eggs, it came from their chickens. But they also have, they employ a family of, I think a family of six. It's the mother, the father, and their kids that all they do is take care of these chickens. And I've been out there and I've seen the, you know, the farm and it's, I mean, their chickens have, you know, they're not cooped up. They have a safe, secure barn that they can, doors open and they close it at night so predators don't get in, obviously, but they go in and out and they have this huge, large field to run around in and they feed them well and, you know, things like that. And then collect their eggs and bring them to the restaurant. Is that wrong? So the the degree of my moral objection to that yeah. compared to the way we get eggs right. on a factory farm, it's like a candle in the sun. Yeah. Um, so in my perfect world, if I had a wand and I could reconstitute completely the way we treated animals, no humans would raise any animals for any reason, no matter how well they treated them. Mm-hmm. That's my perfect world. But in terms of pragmatic things, I, I think nothing very bad about that. Yeah. Uh, so I guess this is the way to put it. I would never eat an egg from that farm because I would never eat an egg at all. Yeah. Um, but I can't think of a great analogy in human terms, but that's what you're talking, what you described as like a, is like a traffic violation um, versus uh, like assault and battery or murder. Yeah. So I, I, the way I feel about enterprises like you described is, is how I feel about hunting, which is that at no time in the next 30 years, am I worried about people doing things like that? Yeah. That would be if we could, one day eliminate all the more egregious things, then maybe I'd want to have a conversation about that farm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Is there... And uh, I will also say, um, so if you're getting eggs like that for your own consumption at home, Mm -hmm. again, I look at that like a moving traffic violation. But that's not where any of the eggs that that are in the food that you're getting at restaurants are coming from, except a few restaurants. So, yeah, I mean... I think who's the guy who wrote uh, the Omnivore's Dilemma? Michael Pollan. Oh yeah, yeah. I I believe that he only eats animal products if they come from places like you were talking about, mm-hmm. which means that he doesn't. He would never eat it like a McDonald's. Yeah, I think I think that's the case. I was talking with Zach and Rachel, our good friends. Um, Today at lunch, we went to Mellow Velo. I think I, I forget if I said that earlier on this or not, but no, I think that was an off mic moment. Off mic moment. Yeah, We're this drawing back the curtain moment. and telling the people this off mic moment done. was brought to you by Mellow Velo, Talking Cursive Brewing Company. Uh, we'll just say that or Mellow Velo because that's where we're having lunch. Um, Amer- uh, American Pipe Corporation. Yeah, that was my first experience. I've been talking about it on the YouTubes uh, about how I knew I had to be, I had to plan out my meals. I typically, I never do that. I eat out at least 10 times a week, Mm -hmm. at least. Sometimes I eat, there are some days I eat out all three meals at a restaurant. And most of the times, most of the time I am going from 
one thing on my to-do list to the other. And then I realize, oh shit, I'm starving. And I run to OIP and grab pizza or whatever. So I'm very, um, it's very rare that I'm intentional about what I'm eating, let alone if is, is it meat or dairy or anything. Mm-hmm. And so today I had planned not to bring lunch to work, that I was going to be having lunch at, you know, 12 with them at Mellow Velo. And it's Mellow Velo. I'm thinking, this is a hipster's paradise. This place is going to be the veganest of vegan places next to Stronghearts. It was, there was like two items on the menu that I could actually have. Yeah. And it wound, and I saw to make substitutions. It was the veggie burger without the goat cheese. But then, as even as I'm eating it, I'm like, "Oh my god, is that goat cheese on the bottom?" Because there was like this, and it turned out to be the aioli. Mm. It's just the way that they made it because it was vegan. It happens friendly. to me all the time. Anything white in my food, yeah, I I have to scrutinize it, yeah, figure out what it is, you know. And so it was just this, you know, I'm asking the waiter, "What do you your the French fries that this comes with? What oil are you frying mm-hmm. them in?" Uh, you know, so it was just, it was a pretty interesting experience to sit down to a restaurant and have to, usually I'm just trying to order what is the most appealing and what I think is going to be the most Instagrammable picture. Like I will order something and think, is this going to get more likes or is that going to get more likes? And today it was just, what can I actually eat? Yeah. You know, um, it was a pretty unfortunate the burger was delicious. Mm-hmm. The veggie burger was absolutely amazing, but it was pretty, pretty disappointing. So, I, I would assume that the bun for this burger was vegan. Yeah, see, this is. But that's that's the thing I that gets me all that. the time. Yeah. It's unbelievable how many places have a a veggie burger that is vegan, mm-hmm. but then the bun is like a brioche bun. Yeah. It has the egg. It has the butter. This did not. This was not a brioche bun. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think about that until Rachel said something when we got back to the office. She was like, I hope there weren't any eggs or whatever in that bun. And I'm like, it's bread. Of course there mm-hmm. weren't. Oh, so this what you didn't actually get I didn't verification. Ask, yeah. yeah. And I didn't think about it until she said something. Sure. Which, thanks, Rachel. That was after I ate it. So. Typical Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> but it also begs the question, uh, Sunday we're making dinner, Rebecca and I here. She's making this Southwest thing that she makes, and she has the vegetables in one pan and the ground beef in the other pan, and then I have my pot with rice because she puts hers over ground beef. I put mine over rice for this challenge. And I walked in. I was watching TV. I walked into the kitchen. I grabbed the spoon I was using to stir the pot, and as I'm stirring the rice, she says, I just used that to stir the ground beef. And I was like, do I want to care about this right now? My own take on that was I would not care about that. And I didn't. Yeah. You know, I said, listen, you know, whatever it is. What you it is. mixing a spoon that has the juice from the beef into the other thing. Um, well, I don't know. I guess in this case, you did probably pay for that beef or, or Rachel yeah. did. But in general, uh, if you have a vegan meal and someone else has a non-vegan meal and there's an admixture, you haven't given any of your money Right to a non-vegan food, and really, so I don't worry about that. And really, if I'm if I'm getting anything from this, I'm getting that. At the end of the day, it's it boils down to uh, living the lifestyle of a, somebody who chooses to be a vegan. Is are you contributing to mm-hmm. 
the harmful actions toward of animals. Yes, exactly. And, and that's really what it is. So, exactly. Now, not all vegans feel that way. Some vegans, cross-contamination is like a really big deal to them. Yeah. Um, but the, the way you just expressed it was actually quite well put. Hmm. So, I don't know, maybe you Thank are you. destined yeah, maybe to I become am. a vegan. I honestly don't think I could. I just, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I could one day. Who knows? It's, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think. I'll, I'll tell you this. This is something I saw. I was at a concert once, mm-hmm. uh, and some, a small group of people were randomly there, and they were handing out pamphlets against factory farming and advocating being a vegan, which mm-hmm. I already was. But I, I liked something it said in the pamphlet. It was like a quote from someone, uh, like some like a, a regular person, mm-hmm. and it said a, a lot of people when I tell them that I'm a, I'm a vegan. Uh, and I don't eat meat or animal products, they they look at me as though I've told them I don't breathe air anymore. Hmm. Like, it's impossible. Yeah. And that's exactly how it sounds. It's exactly how it sounded to me once. Hmm. You do it for four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, you stop missing the, the, yeah. the, the things. You really do. And, I mean, to me, once upon a time, it sounded like this unbelievable hmm. burden that, oh, my God, I could, I could do that for two weeks, maybe. I couldn't do that for a lifetime. It's actually really easy. Yeah. It really is easy. I'm sure there would come a day if I, like Joel said that this morning, he said, I think you could do 21 days. Because I asked him, "What do you, how do you feel about the seven-day vegan challenge or people who do these things? And that was his response. He's like, seven days is great. I think you'd do 21 if you really wanted to. And I couldn't because I'm going on family vacation. Actually, that's going to be challenging enough because Saturday is my last day of the challenge, and that's my first day of vacation. Mm. So. That's going to be a little difficult, especially because my two brothers and my father are all on the keto thing. So they're basically just consuming meat all day long. Um, So that would be challenging. Um, You know, it's it hasn't been that tough. I mean, I know it's only three days and I'm only doing it for seven days. So I'm not really expecting to see anything crazy happen in my body from this um, because it's just not a large enough sample. But on... I think Thursday or Friday, Rebecca and I, we go to the grocery store once a week. And for the past like month and a half, for some reason, we've just been buying like the party size bag of peanut butter M&Ms. And then we'll just have them on top of the fridge. And, you know, after dinner, you have a few and yada, yada, yada. And then it was like ice cream and, you know, just sweets, sugar, Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. That's a motorcycle, by the way. Sorry for that noise, everybody. It's not a motorcycle. It's like a some kind of scooter, kids or? chopper that somebody then converted to an adult chopper with a motor. Man, I don't know what that that's, was. That's a very detailed analysis of a yeah. It was the north side. That zipped by for just what, one second. What that actually was was just the example of the north side of Syracuse, like the prime example, an embodiment, an embodiment. of the spirit yeah. of the neighborhood. Um, if he was just blaring music while he was on that as well, that would have been perfect. Mm-hmm. But anyways. Um, so Thursday or Friday, I said, I forget which day, but I said, why don't we stop eating sugar? Because I kept, I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast a lot, and because uh, I took a road trip down to the city, and uh, you know his podcasts are like four hours, so it's a perfect podcast to listen to if you're going down to New York City. A lot of good barber talk on that. A lot of good podcast, barber talk, yeah. if I understand <laughs> <Yeah>. correctly. <laughs> yes, uh, but Joe has so many different people on that 
podcast. And there were two different episodes I listened to, and each one the guest was talking about how they stopped consuming sugar because it was so addictive. Mm. And just something kind of clicked in my head, and I was like, we should just, you know, I'm drinking beer right now. Obviously, there's something that converts, right? So, As um, you always are. Yeah. Drinking beer. Exactly. Sad. Yeah, I know. Actually, I just had a meeting at Talking Cursive before I came back home to do this podcast. So hmm. I am always drinking beer. Um, but... We decided to not consume sugar unless it's from natural things like th- that it's already in, like fruit, you know, things like that. So no more ice cream. or no, I'm sure there will be every once in a while that we do. Um, but I've been doing that for three days before I started the vegan challenge, and I feel okay. You know, I don't know if it's from not eating meat, but there's been a couple times where I've been, like, craving just something sweet mm-hmm. and... Honestly, I just go to the fridge and pop a couple, have a couple strawberries or blueberries or whatever, and it's fine. So I feel like that's, you didn't take the best scientific approach by giving up two different things at once. Any any positive effects you have, you won't be able to know which, which one it thing can, it yeah. came from. A scientist would tell you you did it wrong. Yeah. You I have agree. to have a control. Listen, uh, you know, there's times in your life where you just kind of have that window of like succeeding at something. And this right now is not <laughs> for me. So I'm just trying to do anything right now uh, because I feel like I can, you know, I'll be successful. At like, uh oh. What is that? That might be a lawnmower. No, that's the motorcycle. Okay. The motorcycle. And there he goes. That's actually my neighbor. He's actually a cool guy. It's not bad. I mean, besides the motorcycle. He did just kind of yeah. ruin the podcast, so how cool could he really be? Screw that guy. Um, sorry, everybody. Anyways, I'm just trying to do things right now that, you know, because I'm typically, I can't do anything. I can't <laughs> change. I, can't, I fail at everything. <laughs> oh, my. What a dark turn uh, we've taken here. <laughs> well, for example, two years ago, I was all about riding my bike. I rode my bike 10 miles a day. I did a 100-mile bike trip up to A-Bay. I can't ride my bike four miles at, at a time right now to save my life. Mm-hmm. You know, So I'm just kind of in one of those moments. Right now, killing sugar and doing this seven-day vegan challenge or working, so that's what I'm doing. Okay. I'm not worried about the scientific you know, approach. Scientific method. Yeah, I'm just trying to do something. Okay. What else could you give up in the... Uh I don't know. Give up gluten? No. I eat gluten all the time, but yeah. just it's a thing you could give up. I haven't had a lot of bread since, you know, I mean, it's, it's we're only three days in, but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the uh, the long <laughs> chapter of my life in which I, I've been a vegan. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to end this right before it would get bad, you know? There's, what would get bad? The, like, like just changing something this drastically. I feel like probably like the second week would would be when it would be get the worst, in terms of how you felt. Uh, even just the or you're urging to urging. Oh, okay, yeah, probably urging. Possibly that because in general people report feeling better when they go oh, vegan. I, yesterday I had, I did feel just more energetic, more clarity. Um, yeah, I mean even today, I usually I will have a bagel in the morning and then I'll have like I mean you know from Kubal I'll have like six cups of coffee 
And so kind of my energy just kind of stays there. And then I'll work until I'm starving, and then <laughs> I will run across the street to OIP <laughs> and get two slices of pizza and a Diet Coke. You literally, you wait so long that you have to run to yeah. satiate your hunger. I just drive. But anyway, <laughs> it's across the street. Uh, but anyways, that's... You have been known to, uh, I, I know you, you you don't hide the fact that you will honk at, at people on the road who you don't feel are moving quickly enough. That's true. So I, I assume especially yeah. when you're starving, you yeah. the road rage comes out. It does a little bit, even yeah. in just that you know half of a tenth of a mile. Uh, and so, but I have pizza, I have a Diet Coke and I'm like, all right, I'm good. And like 20, 30 minutes later, just that crash. Mm -hmm. I know from talking about, from like knowing keto enough to know that's an insulin spike and then a crash from the carbohydrates and the sugars and that's what it is. But I haven't felt that this week since I've been doing this vegan thing. Yeah. You know, that's good. Yeah. I have to confess for myself personally I didn't feel any different when I became vegan one way or another. Uh, I felt fine beforehand and fine after. Um, although I, I think I actually, I've been, I've known that for 12 years, what I just said. I've been telling people that for 12 years. I think I just had a revelation about it mm-hmm. for the first time sitting at this table. Maybe the reason I didn't get that boost that most people get when they go vegan is because I took a year to gradually go there so that when I went vegan, I already was 80% of the way. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's I bet I did in the summer of 2007. I bet I did feel better than the summer of 2006, hmm. but it was too gradual. It was too gradual. Thank you, Anthony. Yeah, you're welcome. I, uh, I had regarded this whole podcast as a waste <laughs> of my time, but now I've gotten something out of it. And yet here you sit, even yeah. though it was a waste of your time. I was planning to ridicule you at the end and, and break your spirit, but uh, listen, my now mom, you've helped me. My mother and two other people are listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm. So, and actually, Zach and Rachel probably will just because it's you. When about ten minutes into this podcast, I thought to myself, you know, I bet Katie, my wife, will listen to this, uh, and that's nice. But I think we've gone long enough now that she probably will not listen anymore because she's going to want to know how long it was. Yeah. So. Well. I can't Maybe I'll uh, make it two episodes. Ooh, okay. Yeah. So, and I won't tell her about the second episode until she's already yeah. consumed the first one. Anthony asked me back for a second episode. Oh, really? When? There you go. I don't know. It's good. We're both recently married men and yeah. we're we're discussing the art of right. dishonesty, yes. lying. Well, I'm not married yet technically. Oh, I forgot about you know. that. I guess okay. in the biblical sense I am. Yeah. Well, take it from me. Yeah. It's uh it's all about lying. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i mean as far as rebecca knows i'm inside watching tv right now good yeah good um, as far as you know mm-hmm. she's inside what reading a book actually rebecca's in messina right now see work. that's yeah, i know for a fact she's not actually <laughs> uh but that's what you think so it's that's good you I guys think. have have it all worked out i was gonna say oh there is a podcast serious eats where each episode is one hour long, give or take. But at like the 25 or 30 minute mark, they say, all right, well, that's it. We're going to, or our guest is going to come back next week and join us for episode two. And then they just hit pause and then hit record again and say, 
hey, our guest was, we were fortunate enough that they came back down to the <laughs> studio for week two. Now, is this like a joke like that you, no. the listener, are supposed to know? or they... No, I think it's just, I know, it's not a joke. Like that's So just how do you know this fact? Because I know that they have like accomplished people. It's a very intent, like well-known podcast. And I know that the people that they have on there do not take two weeks in a row to come down to this thing. Okay. Maybe they do. So really you're uncovering a conspiracy here. Maybe I'm just judging because I'm insecure. Yeah. That, that, that would, could be it. You that had would a fit. revelation on today's yeah. podcast? I also had a there revelation. There you go. If It's a good podcast if both people walk out changed men. Yes. Correct. Yeah. That is true. So if there is one or more things that you wish the general public knew or would consider about veganism, what would those things or thing be? Well, one of the biggest ones is I just said a couple minutes ago. The thing I always try to stress, if it comes up with people who I've newly acquainted with that I'm vegan, Mm -hmm. often the reaction is like, oh boy, I don't know how you do it. Like, that's cool, man. I could never give up cheese is what they always say. (laughs) Uh, I always tell them, no, dude, it's actually really easy. Mm-hmm. It's really not that hard uh, to stop partaking in the most insidious and in, in the most tragic thing mm-hmm. that mankind is up to right now. Um, so that's the biggest one. Mm. You stop missing meat. You yeah. stop missing cheese. You stop missing eggs. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's my big one. I think so far the biggest thing that I've uh, come to understand, I think, with uh, veganism is that you can still be wildly unhealthy and be a vegan. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can, you know, like the veggie burger I had today, delicious. Every bite was like, I am being healthy right now. And then follow that up with the french fries that were on the side, and it's no different than anything else. And to be honest... uh I was not all that healthy of an eater before I became a vegan, Mm -hmm. and I'm still not a notably healthy eater now. Uh, If you become vegan, you're doing a world of good for your health, period. Uh, Even if you're eating fries and stuff, there's Mm -hmm. all kinds of effects that animal products have in your body that even bad vegetables and bad vegetable products don't. Um, But yeah, I'm I'm not a big health eater. That's not my personality, really. I was a meat and potatoes guy in the past, and I'm... I'm the vegan equivalent of that now. Mm-hmm. I like tofu. I like mock meats. I like pasta. I like sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have a great natural taste for vegetables. A lot mm. of people love veggies just by their natures. I don't. Okay. Um, Is there a go-to for me? My If I ever had like a go-to meal, it would be fried potatoes and scrambled eggs with cheese. Okay. What's your go-to uh, as being a vegan? The meal, one of our biggest staples, my wife and I, my wife is the cook, mm-hmm. and I'm the dish doer and the grocery shopper in the relationship. I'm actually the cook and the dish doer. <laughs> Are you the grocery shopper? No, we split oh. that up. You know, sometimes I'll do it for like a couple weeks, and then Rebecca will do it, and then sometimes we go together. That's actually awesome. Uh, 
I, whenever I say what I just said to people, mm-hmm. the response is always, oh, yeah, same with our couple. <laughs> like, blank is the dish doer, blank's the cook. I've never heard someone be like, oh, actually, we don't have that, like, bifurcation yeah. in our relationship. Well, I don't, we don't have a dishwasher. And Rebecca mm-hmm. used to in her apartment before we moved in together. And so I, told, I promised her when she moved in, because we were trying to decide, do we move into her apartment or into the house? Mm. And we have a small house, so they were both the same size. And uh, ultimately, we decided the house, so that way we could get Buddy, who's our dog. And I promised her that I would always do the dishes if we moved in here. And you're just more of a natural cook than her? Like, why I'm are you I'm definitely a way better cook than okay. Rebecca. Rebecca's a good cook. She's never made a bad meal. Okay. Um, I'm just, I'll, I'm, you know, definitely a better cook. Fair enough. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm I'm no kind of cook, really. Okay. I can heat things. Like, if yeah. things are pre, pre, like, prepared, I can, like, put them in a frying pan and heat them. But I, I cannot, like, confect anything myself. Okay. Um, but, so, yeah, my wife's the cook. Our favorite meal over the years has been tofu tacos. Mm. It's very simple, um, but you get your taco kit, your taco shells, and your tofu. Uh, lots of spices, um, lettuce, tomato, guacamole, hot sauce. Mm. You can throw some pinto beans in there if you want. Um, that's probably my favorite meal we do. Do you season the tofu? Yes. Okay. Yes, we do. Like taco seasoning or whatever exactly. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. We have a ton of great meals. We at this point, Katie, my wife, has a database of probably like forty or fifty recipes that are tried and true, and we know we like them, and we cycle through them. Nice. Um. So, like, we I just had the last of our leftovers. We had lasagna last week, which she like made a cheese sauce out of macadamia nuts. Ooh. Um. And we had tempeh bacon in there and some quote-unquote meat crumbles hmm. um and some like kind of a s- italian sauce with some spice to it hmm. so that was quite delicious yeah i'm excited to get to strong hearts and eat mm-hmm. to see what their creations taste like so i'm gonna do that this week obviously cool yeah, yeah. that's uh strong hearts has a lot of good options yeah well john mcdaniel john barber John Barber, thank you, and thank uh, you. Yeah, all right. I I really enjoyed doing my first podcast outside. Yeah, and oh, there it is. There it is. That's the second sign you're on the north side. The first was that motorcycle thing. The second mm-hmm. was car blaring music, and the third one is your presence here. Your physical presence here yes. tells me I'm on the north side. You're on the north side. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, there it is, folks. I hope you enjoyed the conversation I had with John. It's interesting. Listen, at the very least, it's interesting to hear someone else's perspective, to hear the perspective of someone that's different than ourselves, than myself. And so I hope that you enjoyed the conversation. I hope you enjoy the podcast. If you do, then do me a huge favor. Hit that subscribe button. And then leave me a review. Let us know what you think of the Eat Local CMY podcast. For podcasts, that's a very big deal. There's two things. Subscribe, so that way you know when the next episode drops. And then those reviews. They mean the world in the podcasting world. So, they mean the world, the podcasting world. So, thank you so much. You can follow us online, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, and now YouTube at Eat Local CMY. Or find me online 
on our website at eatlocalcny.com. 